1: intelligence. How are you using that to help people make better decisions?
2: Oh, love this question! Um, all right, so I'm going to give you an example. I'm working right now with a national uh, organization. I don't, I don't know. We even know what their revenues are. It's got to be in it. It's definitely billions. And their leadership team is about 65 strong. And I did an emotional intelligence assessment specific for leaders for each one of them, had each one of them got a one hour debrief. And we really looked at the trends of the organization, all of that it was really fascinating to see, you know, how how all of the strengths that they were clearly good at hiring for because there there were so many of their leaders were strong in problem solving and things like that. So the first thing to answer your question is you have to understand your own wiring. Uh if you want to be more influential with others, if you want to help people make decisions, if you want to, you know, if you're a leader in an organization, the more you understand about What has influence over you, the better you are in a position to influence somebody else. And so there's outside influences, right? Like, like Cialdini writes about in his book, Influence, you know, we Mm -hmm. we know that if 10 people are walking down the street and one of them looks up at a building, we're just going to probably keep walking by. But if all 10 look up at that Mm -hmm. same building, we want to know what's there. That's social proof. And so there's lots of things that have influence over us. But internally, there are influencers that emanate from the inside out. And those those emotional intelligence attributes are one of the things that has influence over our decision-making and how we can help others make better decisions, because this is operating in the background underneath any decision that comes to our forefront. And I'll give you a very, a very simple example that's universal, but if I have a meeting downtown uh. My wiring, which is high optimism, low reality testing, I mentioned that combination earlier, that wiring, no matter what my situation is is the is what's underlying the the reason why I don't check Google Maps until I'm already in the car <laughs> okay that's high that's what high optimistic people and low reality check people do. It's, you know, it affects my decision.
1: At least because you're I'm, checking it. Small, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you ever <laughs> been good. driving with someone They're halfway there and they go, okay, so, uh, when do I turn? You're like, yeah, hey, I didn't get, you didn't assign me any duties. I didn't well, know. I, I didn't know you time, didn't know where we were going.
2: <laughs> most of the time I have a, I have a vague idea of where I'm going. So I go and then I do what you just said. And I, I'll, I'll turn on the GPS after I've missed the exit is usually when that happens. Um, but that's an example. Like, how can I be more how can I help somebody make a better decision when if I'm in the dark about some of the things that affect my own decision making and as simple as leaving in time for a meeting because there might be traffic? Right. So that's a little tiny minuscule example now let's multiply that out for a company or a health issue or a relationship decision those are the big decisions that you've got to make and if you don't understand how high optimism low reality test or some of the other you know hundreds of combinations that there are could could impact the way that you see the landscape so that you have all of the information that you need and you're looking at it objectively to make a good decision. I mean, that's that's pretty important. You gotta understand where you how you process things. Yeah,
1: that's a great point. What do you think is preventing people from gaining a better understanding of how they process information?
2: Well, I think first of all, you know, we it it's not common to you know, say to yourself, you know what I need. You know what I need today. Today I need to learn a little bit more about yeah. my wiring. Are there moments? Uh, so I'm going to do this. Are there moments in
1: life that <laughs> act as catalysts to make people seek that out?
2: Well, I think absolutely. I mean, for, certainly, in the example I gave you with my client, because all of these individuals are in leadership roles, the company you know, asserts that, okay, we want to further develop our leaders. We want you to know your blind spots. Yeah. We want to, we're not going to leave you with that. We're going to offer you the the development options that you need to be the best leader you can be because that's good for the company. But I think, you know, as individuals, there are certainly going to be those pivotal moments in life where you, you know, are a little bit stopped in your tracks and maybe you didn't get a job that you wanted or a relationship that you wanted, or you're faced with a health challenge. And you all of a sudden have to think, how, what is it about this decision? What, you know, who am I in the, in context with this decision? Like how, how can I feel good about a decision that I make, that I'm making? I need to feel confident in myself. I need to have High self-regard i need to you know understand Mm. myself to really move forward with a a big big decision like that
1: yeah i think that coach mentor uh counselor role is so important especially with big big choices right big choices that have big consequences in my practice as a financial advisor Whenever people come to me with a big, maybe scary choice or a very excited choice, um, usually they they have a big decision to make and they have some emotions wrapped around that decision that are going to change the trajectory of that decision-making process. And, and they may not know it. A lot of times they don't. Sometimes they do. But I'll walk them through this process um, that Doug Lenick came up with called the four R's. He's the author of uh, Moral Intelligence, so almost kind of like what we're talking about, just a little bit different. And the first thing is to, to recognize, recognize the emotion that we're feeling, right? And I think that that is what most people think of as the beginning and end of emotional self-awareness. Oh, well, if I'm just aware of my emotions, I'm good, right? Now I can proceed to completely ignore them, <laughs> but I at least I'm aware, um, or I can discredit them. Um, or I can be very aware of exactly how they're influencing my decision and I'm going to do the bad thing anyway. Well, the first thing is recognize and then the second is reflect. Okay, well, I'm feeling anxious about this decision and that is coming from a place of maybe insecurity, maybe uncertainty. Where is that anxiety coming from? Maybe it's coming from something completely unrelated to this decision that's just weighing on me and in, in, in this moment. And then the third is is to reframe. Okay, hey, so let's take an example of, you know, someone who is uh, ready to quit their job. Oh, they had a really bad week at work. They're just mad. They're they're ticked off. They think, you know, the world, you know, is not doing them any favors. I'm going to leave this job. Okay, well, stop. What, what am I feeling? I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling maybe more precise than upset. I'm feeling disrespected. By a boss who didn't recognize, you know, my talents, or didn't, you know, cheer me on enough, or didn't appreciate my hard work and my accomplishment. Oh, okay. Well, that's causing me to have a bad attitude every single day, and show up and isolate myself slowly amongst my coworkers, and now I feel more dejected and I feel more disrespected. So you know what I can do is I can reframe that and say, you know what, if I were to dedicate myself to this company that's provided me with a paycheck, and roof over my head and et cetera, um, then I can accomplish good things just like I have in the past. And so then we get to the fourth R, which is respond. Um, and so maybe you still quit the job. Maybe you go, you know what? I could change my attitude. I could change how I'm feeling. Uh, even if I did, I would still wanna quit, but I'm not, at least I'm not gonna quit mad. Wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And we hope that one day all of the information will clearly point us towards option A or B or C. And it, it never really does.
2: Yeah. Make a decision, get into action because and that's why redeciding is such a great tool, especially for leaders, because you can get in you don't you don't have to wallow in indecisiveness. Make a decision redecide. Get in action. You can always redecide again. And the language that you use with your team and with yourself is, based on the information I had at that time that I made that decision, this was the right course of action. Since then, new information has come into my experience. And because of that, I'm going to make an adjustment in the goal or the game plan. And it's very simple and it's very direct and it gives you freedom and when you look at it from, you know, again that standpoint of it's not changing your mind, it's redeciding. It's very powerful, and we need to give our ourselves and our leaders more opportunity to be okay with changing the course when it makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it seems yeah. to me like there might be a few reasons why people would be resistant to changing their mind, and. And I think one is obvious, and that's pride, right? I made this choice. It was decisive. Damn it, I'm going to see it all the way through. Um, you know, I'm going to sink with the ship. And that, that you know, has one route towards a solution. But I think there is another, and that is people who are simply reluctant to change from the beginning, right? They just di- they didn't like making the first choice. They really are not going to want to change that choice, even though the environment has changed.
2: decisions that we make for ourselves, our families, our our companies, our clients and just reminding ourselves to be open to new possibilities and making sure that we are keeping that channel open for our for everybody we're in communication with so that when they are making good decisions, they they feel powerful in their decisions. That's that's really, I think, the best service that we can provide is being an expert in our role. We know the right questions to ask somebody so that they can make the good decisions for themselves. And then, you know, they can make new decisions if it's if it necessary, right? Like some decisions just stick with it.